Welcome to Insights at the Edge, produced by Sounds True. My name's Tammy Simon. I'm the founder of Sounds True, and I'd love to take a moment to introduce you to the new Sounds True Foundation. The Sounds True Foundation is dedicated to creating a wiser and kinder world by making transformational education widely available. We want everyone to have access to transformational tools such as mindfulness, emotional awareness, and self-compassion, regardless of financial, social, or physical challenges. The Sounds True Foundation is a nonprofit dedicated to providing these transformational tools to communities in need, including at-risk youth, prisoners, veterans, and those in developing countries. If you'd like to learn more or feel inspired to become a supporter, please visit SoundsTrueFoundation.org. You're listening to Insights at the Edge. Today, my guest is Kate Stillman. Kate Stillman has been teaching audiences how to create health and wellness through yoga and Ayurveda since 2001. She hosts the Yoga Healer Real Thrive Show with Sounds True, She's the author of the book, Body Thrive, and a new book, Master of You, a five-point system to synchronize your body, your home, and your time with your ambition. In Master of You, Kate presents an innovative program for embracing and accelerating your true capabilities, all through the five fundamental elements of Ayurveda. What I so loved in this conversation with Kate Stillman is she teaches us to relate to the elements, not as something outside of us, but as powers that literally make up who we are, powers that we can awaken and mobilize to bring our true selves forward and contribute in the most powerful ways. Here's my conversation with Kate Stillman. Kate, one of your gifts is making Ayurvedic wisdom accessible to people. And what I'd love to start our conversation with, which is what I think is on many people's minds, is how can we increase our immunity, our own inner strength, using the wisdom of Ayurveda during this particular time? We're recording this uh, right as the global pandemic of COVID-19 is on the rise in the United States. What can we learn from Ayurveda? Yeah, Ayurveda, like most of the world's wisdom traditions, I would actually argue all of the world's wisdom traditions, grounds us in the elements themselves. And so our experience of earth and and sky and fire and water these these elements are how we know how we know the world yet in, in like modern world modern life we're, we're pretty disconnected from that and part of how that weakens our immunity is like if, if we're not connected to how energy from the universal from source comes through form then we're just a little bit more and more to get disconnected and the more disconnected we get from from source energy and source intelligence, uh, the more we feel disconnected. And in, in our physiologies, the experience of disconnect is, is along the lines of the emotional body, the experience of fear, and that itself erodes immunity. It, it erodes the organization and intelligence of our organism, which keeps us a, a safe, healthy, happy, grounded whole. So simply by, you know, when we wake up in the morning, by being, being grateful for the earth and being grateful for the air we breathe and being grateful for the, the sunlight, it starts to plug our consciousness in, in a way that our human ancestors were always plugged in. And that itself helps us actually relax and attune. It, it, that consciousness organizes our, our organism so that on this day, we'll actually make better choices for ourselves. We know when we're, when we're afraid, the mind gets scattered, we go into fight or flight, and we don't make, we don't make good long-term choices for ourselves. And then that can set us up on a really bad day, essentially. Yeah. Tell me more about uh, a five element first aid kit, if you will, for our time. Yeah. A five element first aid kit. It's, 
I mean, so much of it is just allowing our awareness to go back into when, you know, when our ancestors would talk about earth and would talk about sky and would talk about fire and talk about water and, you know, in, in this very basic way, starting to orient ourselves to, to like, what do I need right now? Right. So if, if someone feels really ungrounded, their first aid kit would be to, to find the ground, right? Just to find the earth, earth element. And this can actually be as simple as starting the day, you know, after you wake up and, and drink some water. And like you and I talked about in the last podcast for body five, <laughs> go poop. Uh, like after you've got your morning, just kind of starting is to actually do a practice on a mat where you're connecting with earth element, which might be you start by lying on the ground. You lie on your yoga mat and you start to roll side to side and then you might go onto all fours and uh, and you're just actually, with your awareness, getting energy to move into your body, into the earth and just feeling like, oh, the ground beneath me innately supports me. And this is how the elements work. As we start to, when we attune to the powers of the elements, we feel intrinsically supported and the feeling of support is what a lot of people don't have access to right now. They feel like everything is mm-hmm. unpredictable. And then because it's unpredictable, we don't know what's happening next. We panic. And it's the opposite. It's like I feel incredible. A lot of people right now feel incredibly unsupported. So if we could get our awareness to actually become a lot more primitive rather than sophisticated, instead of looking at like, how are we going to solve all the problems given that we're in a whole new paradigm, we're in a whole new economy, we're in a whole new world, essentially. Can we just go back to the world that we've, we've always known? Cause, cause that will always be here. The, the elements will always be here. We'll always need the sun. Right. And so if we can say like, ah, if I can get up early enough to give my body and my mind focus today, can I get up early enough to watch the sun rise? And that would be a first aid kit in terms of fire, in terms of focus and as the sun's rising and you're watching wherever you are, go from darkness into light to ask yourself, where do I need to apply my focus today? And to receive that, to receive that intuition straight from the energy of the sun. And that alone will start to inform, the, again, the choices that you'll make later in the day. And we can do this with any element, like with water element. Water element teaches us a number of things. The first one is receptivity, which happens through softening. So if we're hard and aggressive, we don't, we don't receive. But if we're soft like water, you drop something into water, the water receives what you drop into it. You drop something on pavement, it bounces off the pavement. It doesn't, it doesn't receive it. And so this, for those of us who are like, I want to I wanna just, I, I want to be more receptive to what's happening in the world right now. I don't want to block reality. I want to actually just receive what's going on to, you know, just simply to do things like to take a bath and to sip hot water and to get in tune of like, oh, okay, water's, water's always there for me as well right now. Uh, and in this way, we can shift our consciousness to relax, to receive, and, and that alone will start to bolster our own immunity. It organizes that intelligence of those elements organizes our, our organism. So we're Again, we're more protected from within, from being more interconnected. Let's keep going. Space. Space. Yeah, space. Space. Space is the gift right now. Now, space scares some people. Uh, And it it can be scary because for those who have been very busy and very overscheduled, and we keep it that way because of potentially a, a deeper underlying adrenaline addiction of just like, go, 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 go. And so there's always too much to do in a day and say now, like your days are different. Say now you're home with the kids instead of going to the job and instead of driving here and there. And I, now what it might, you might be overwhelmed by is, is space, which can feel like it can feel like an abyss. Now, a lot of people love space and a lot of the yogis listening and meditators listening are like, I'm good with space. <laughs> I'm not experiencing that at all. I could see maybe one or two people in my life that, that might be having that, uh, that response to having more space. But space right now, having time for reflection is essential. And in modern life, it's missing. Essentially, we don't uh, have an, we don't have a surplus of space is how most people feel. They feel like their time is not their own. Their calendars are too crowded. 
time has to arise in space. So having more space, having time to reflect, having time to exhale, having time to actually reorient on an energetic level to who have I been and how has that worked for me? And who do I need to become next because the world's changing? And so I need to change. I need to become adaptable. That all requires space. And space, if we just actually tap into it right now, space is it's insane. It's so big. Like when, you, when you let your awareness travel just from here through the entire planet, and then the planet is part of a solar system, and then the solar system is part of a galaxy, and the galaxy is part of all of these galaxies, and it keeps going, and it keeps going, and it keeps going, and it's, it's huge, and there's so much space. And if we allow our awareness to expand into that much space, we might, if we can do this regularly, we can actually start to relax and notice that who we are is space. Who we are is also expanding. There's, in Ayurvedic medicine, uh, it's very, very clear in disease where the, the diseases where there's not enough space, the diseases of, of congestion, the diseases of um, even a lot of diseases with heat, there's just not enough space for things to move. And that's how most people, uh, you know, who are stressed out feel. So now there's this huge opportunity as things are changing, but I love Dave Gray's book on liminal thinking. We're in a liminal time. We've crossed a threshold of normal. Nothing's normal. Whenever you cross a threshold from normal, you have access to liminal. You have access to that, which is beyond the threshold of normal. And when you're in that time and space open, they open up. And if you can, be grounded and present in that if you can exhale and not and not go into a fear response with it but actually just embrace huh i have air to breathe i have water to drink it's okay what's going on and to let our awareness expand we tap into a flexibility in our own person that allows us to expand and adapt into who mm-hmm. will thrive in the next. Now, before we move on to the fifth element in this first aid kit for our time, what would you say to that person who is having a fear response when it comes to the space that they have in their life right now? And as they investigate, who am I really during this time? And my life is being reoriented. And truth be told, yoga healer, Kate, I'm afraid. Yeah, I'm afraid. Yeah. You know, one of the best ways when, and, and like, first of all, like acknowledging the fear, I think is so, it's, it's, it's so important and like good for you for acknowledging it, you know? So just right there, when you can, when you can acknowledge, like, I'm, a, I'm afraid. Now what's fascinating to me about fear is how other mammals deal with it. So again, we're, we're mammals and how we deal with our fear is mostly psychological, but our you know, your dog doesn't deal with fear in the same way. Your dog, when it's afraid, will shake. And what's so fascinating to me about this is the shaking releases the emotion from the physiology. And there's a, there's a, just a really great practice I'm just going to give anyone. When, like when you're afraid, A, noticing the fear, great. B, shake. And the way you shake, and you can get very creative this, with this. But the, I, I love this practice from Chinese medicine or from, um, I think it's from Qigong, where you just stand with your feet hip-width apart, slight bend in your knees, and you bend your elbows by your side so your hands are, are straight in front of you, your arms at a right angle, and you just, is the sound you make with your exhale, and you shake. You just actually bend your knees, and in your hands will pulsate with the bending of your knees in your body, and you just shake. And if you do this even for, you might find yourself doing this for two minutes, 10 times a day, if you feel that intense, overwhelming fear, 10 times a day. And what you're doing is you're just allowing your, you're, you're an animal. It's scary right now for you. And you're just letting your body release the fear. And once you've released it physically, you'll, your, your awareness will shift uh, and you'll have different ideas. You'll have a different way of, like, and the idea might be, I need to lay down on my yoga mat. That's a great idea. Fantastic. Uh, it's, it might even be, you know, I need to drink some hot water and just look out at, at nature and receive, you know, just receive the energy of the tree. 
which is rooted. Fantastic. Another great idea. So the solutions don't have to be complex. They usually, I find, are simple and free and always available. And then the element air and how we can align with it during this time. Yeah, so air element's fascinating. Air is, is the movement across space. Air is connection. And I'm finding it fascinating right now in the even the terminology that was first uh, sort of dished out to us around social distancing. And I started to notice this at first with my kid um, and then with my online company and then more and more with other people <laughs> that are working online. It's like social distancing is the opposite of what's happening. I'm noticing social connectivity happening on a whole new level. And this, this connection of like how we connect across space has so much to do with what air element is. So while our physical bodies might be six feet apart from each other, uh, we're connecting. Humans are very deeply connecting right now. And it's important to receive that, to notice that, that, wow, we, as a species, like we like to do this together. We definitely like to talk to each other. We like to exchange ideas. Now, this movement across space is also time. So how this next horizon of time, like how we're orienting to, to the future where we're, we, we seem to be pivoting like very, very quickly. Like the reality of like what tomorrow looks like seems to be, be changing. I'm not sure if it's going to stabilize when by the time this releases, I have no idea what's going to happen. But what I find right now is there's a unique opportunity as space is opening up and we can have more of a deep space perspective. We can exhale. We can find a little more time in our calendar that as space opens up, time opens up. Now, as time opens up, there's a unique advantage of being able to step back and see the trajectory of your life, of where you've, where you've come thus far and what, what in that you love, like what in that you want to bring into your future and what in that you want to part from and just feel like that was, that was good. It served its purpose. I'm done. And then to look again into the future, to look into deep time moving forward and being very clear, becoming more and more clear because you have more time right now to become clear on who do you want to become next? And then to see that, to start to see the road in front of you, the time horizon in front of you. And just that when you give your awareness, yoga is so clear on this, in these teachings in yoga, like if you give your awareness a point, of focus, that point will expand. So you want to be orienting towards a future that you're excited about, like really excited about. And it doesn't have to be grandiose. It should be grounded actually in what you most deeply, deeply desire. So getting clear on what is that in the future? And that's like a point. And then reminding your awareness continuously throughout the day that you're going towards that point then that future for you will start to expand and you'll pick up different ideas. You'll pick up different conversations. You'll tune into different things that help you move into the direction of that future. And really, as you're talking, I'm thinking of your new book, Master of You, which is using the five elements to design your life. Uh, in the subtitle, you say your body, your home, your time, and to synchronize with your ambition. What do you mean by ambition? Like you're saying, it doesn't have to be big. I think most people, when they hear that word ambition, they think, oh, you know, she's just talking about someone becoming some big time, you know, mover shaker or something like that, a big ambition. But it sounds like you could be pointing to something else. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the word your in there is really the critical one. Um, and that's why it's in there like one, two, three, four times. <laughs> Master of you and then followed by first yours in the subtitle. And this is something that I found in my work with my members in the Awake Living course. That was the precursor to the book. Uh, and, and, and my members, we, we we're so psyched to have the book now. Is it unique to you? So your ambition, I mean, we could have said your dharma, but people often don't know what, what, dharma, what dharma is. And so dharma, in terms of like your, like who you are, what you deeply desire, what you sense your life purpose really is and is all about, that's 
what we're most interested in here. And that's the exploration and the journey. Because often, you know, there's a lot of not knowing. Like, like when, when, if you could really become anything you wanted to be, which in yoga they say, well, that's, that's ultimately what the path of yoga is about, is that freedom, that unbridled freedom. Is what do you discover it is that you most deeply want to become, that you most deeply want to do? And so if it's my ambition for you, that's not going to work. Uh, what's your ambition for you? And, and what we found through working with many, many people is that that discovery process is essential and it's often a first-time journey. What do you mean by that, a first-time journey? Like often people haven't really gone to the depth of like, what do I want? Like, what is my deeper ambition? Like, and how do I bring that into an action plan? How do I bring that into what is, goes on my calendar this week? That this we find, and, and I, was, I was honestly quite surprised at this. And my, like, I was like, oh, people, you know, I, I was I'm a pretty ambitious person myself. Um, and I've always sort of sensed, like, I know what I want to, I, I know what I want to do, and I'm going to take action to make that happen. But what we, what I found in, you know, talking to, in coaching a lot of people along the way and in creating this program and then this book is that often people haven't, you know, they're doing what they're doing because that's what they were doing. And they got into that for this reason and that reason and the other reason. But having the time and the space to most like to, to very deeply ask like, Hey, what, what do I really want to become in this lifetime? And who do mm-hmm. I want to become next in this next chapter? And what are the skills and the resources and the assets and the relationships I'm going to need to make that happen? That that I have found is often a first time journey. Often people haven't like done that a number of times. And in master of you, we turn it into a system so that you can do that again and again. You can, you know, next chapter of your life by next chapter of your life. So that how you want to be in your body, how you want your spaces to be or your home, how you want your calendar to be, how you want to experience your next level of, of wealth of, um, or whatever sort of, you know, asset building that you want. Like, how do you, how do you do that systematically in a way is so deeply tied to the power of the elements and staying true to your own experiment so that in the next iteration of it, you get, you get even better at figuring out what it is you really want and how you really, you know, for many people, uh, how they want to be a bigger part of the solutions, how they want their life to matter. And just breaking it into chapter by chapter of their life, get better at that iterative system. Mm-hmm. Now, Kate, I think a lot of people can relate to the idea. It's something you say in Master of You that for many of us, our desires are buried under the demands and the whirlwind of our life. And here we are for many people. It's a time where people are reorienting. They're asking deeper questions and perhaps deeper desires and ambitions, a sense of my true dharma is surfacing. So I think people are with us on this part of the conversation. I think the part that is probably not obvious to people is how does any of that connect to these five elements? How am I supposed to be relating to the five elements to help me with that buried yearning that I have about my life? Yeah, I know. And it's, it, it's, it's been a fascinating journey for me in, in being an Ayurvedic medicine practitioner and then writing the body habits book for Ayurveda and just breaking it down into these simple things and, and being someone who has more of a macro, macro level consciousness, seeing, seeing bigger pictures. And as I was coaching people and as I was, uh, as I was able to manifest in my life what I wanted to for me and my family, I started to realize what was going on with the elements. And that for me was a huge breakthrough. It was, um, it wasn't obvious. It wasn't obvious from when I was in Ayurveda school and as an Ayurvedic medicine practitioner, but the five elements, anyone who's really studied Ayurveda or yoga, like you start to have a much different relationship with the five elements. And that's what happened with me. And I started to realize that my space so the spaces that I can create around me, the spaces that I live in, that is the space element I have the most influence over. And so my home, my office, my car, my second home, my, like my stuff, like that I can 
control. Now, outside of my home, I start to lose a lot less control. And those of you who live with other people, even within your home, you may have certain domains and little pockets where you have all where you have 100% control, and then you may have a lot of spaces that are negotiable, and then you may have some spaces in your home you have no control. So what I'm talking about now is the spaces you have the most control over. And I found that when you align those spaces to your future self that you're trying to become, that your space pulls you forward. And when you don't do that, you keep your space the same and you have a vision of yourself you haven't become yet, and you don't overhaul your spaces that you have 100% control over in alignment that your space works against you. And this is now very well documented by behavioral science. Uh, it's, there's been a little bit of it here and there around architecting your environment to breed the habits that you want to have. There's been some great research in that area. When you tie it to Dharma, I find, I found this for my course members, and I'll find it, I think, with the readers of this book. When you tie it to life purpose, it, it changes the way you see your space. Like, does this space right now support the person who I want to become in the future? And if you can mark that at a time, if you could say like a year from now, this is who I want to be. This is the habits I want this person to have. This is, you know, this is the reality. These are the relationships. These are the um, experiences I want that person to be having. Now, great. How does that person use space? And once mm-hmm. you shapeshift your space to that, space is now supporting your dharma. Mm-hmm. Now, I think a lot of people can relate to this. But maybe they've read books about decluttering, or even as they're listening right now, they're looking around the room and thinking, God, you know, I've been meaning to take that picture down. I don't even like it anymore. I haven't liked it for a decade or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel like the person I want to become. So I think a lot of people can relate to that, which is great. But I want to just understand a link for a moment. Here you are, you're studying Ayurveda, you're studying the elements. And, you know, I've met a lot of people, whether it's Chinese medicine, or Ayurveda, they've studied the you know, elemental theory and how it relates to health. But I've never met anybody who's tied the elements to how we function in the world dharmically, how we realize our dreams and ambitions. How did you make that connection? My course members coming out of the Living Ayurveda course, this is years ago, they asked me to teach a lifestyle course. They're like, we want, like, we want, to, we want to know what you're doing. Because you're doing, you're doing Ayurveda on some level that you're not teaching us. And that's where it started. It started because I didn't really know I was doing it. I mean, I kind of knew, but not really. I hadn't built a system around it yet. And it was this invitation it was really that, stepping into an invitation for me to actually look at, well, I was super clear on air as time element. Ayurveda teaches that. Not many people understand it. Let's go into that a little bit more because I think a lot of people, when they say, you know, I can't actualize this dharma, this deep ambition that I have, it's a time problem. You know, I don't have enough time and, and economics of course, play into that and responsibilities for my family, et cetera. Right. Just that. Right. And it's, I mean, I think there's got to be a level here. Like no one ever said the yogic path was easy, (laughs) even in Ayurveda. Like no one ever said that, uh, like, if you look at the true definition of health in Ayurveda, like no one ever says that's easy. Like Ayurveda and health is like constantly learning from today and applying it to tomorrow. That's more or less the definition. If you distill it down, right? That's not easy. Easy is you learn something today and tomorrow you're like, eh, I'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> right. And, and that's the pattern that a lot of us are in. And there's a good word for this in, in yoga. It's uh, in an Ayurveda it's called Tejas. And Tejas aligns to the word in the subtitle of ambition. And so there has to be a deeper desire for better. There has to be. If there's not that you're going to remain stuck, right? If you're not that and you're the person that you just described, you're never going to have the time. It's never going to be the right time to make the changes. So another way of saying that, the inverse is also true. The right time is always now because you have control over now. And so how do you need to change your calendar today so that tomorrow lines up better? And then tomorrow you're asking yourself the same question, like, how do I need to line myself up today 
to that tomorrow changes. And that's a very short-term perspective, uh, but there's also the long-term of really getting that your ambitions have got to be built into your calendar in real time. And as I started to, to teach this, like this is aligned air element. Air is essentially good calendaring. And it's not just good calendaring for the things that you are your to-dos. It's also your calendaring for the things that are in many ways like your free time, your rejuvenation time, your to-don'ts, like the, just the chill time, that that also needs to be calendared in. We need control. And I use that word, I fight with this word all the time, control, and I keep coming back to it. It's like before I was talking about controlling your space. When we have control over something, we're taking responsibility for it. So we could just say, when you have responsibility over your calendaring to manifest your future, and you take that responsibility as seriously as you would take the responsibility of, say, feeding your children, things start to change. You start to notice the malleability between time and space. And that is what gives you power. So in many ways, as I was discovering this process with the five elements, I was like, oh, these essentially, this is essentially the powers. We're taking the power of space, the power of air or wind, the power of fire or transformation, the power of water or flow, the power of or earth or resilience. Um, and the resilience piece and the body piece we, we can get into, but, but understanding that these elements, that these are our birthright, and as we connect to them, our ability to shape shift our reality and desire in alignment with what we, we want to experience, that starts to go through the roof. Mm-hmm. Now, Kate, this, this might sound like it's just a language thing, but it's more than that to me. When we think of these five elements in the way that you understand we can relate to them in order to actualize and achieve our ambition, our dharma, live into the truth of what we feel called to inside of us. Are we aligning with the power of each element? Are we honoring each element? Are we liberating each element in our life? What are we doing with the elements? What word would you use? Yeah. Or words? I think, yeah, no, I think we're awakening that power within us. That's what I experience it as. So in any indigenous wisdom tradition, you know, any sort, you know, whether it's first peoples, Native Americans, like however you want to say it, Ayurveda, there was this direct experience of, of you are the elements. And the elements are you. And they're all around you. So they're within and they're without. They're within and they're beyond. So they're under your control and they're beyond your control. You can't control the tidal wave. Right now I'm at the ocean. You can't control the tidal wave. You can control your own water element within your body. And so what I found, what I find with this in, in water element in Master View, I align to your integrity, which gives rise to your experience of flow. And you're in, you're in control of your own integrity. You're in, you have domain over that. So as you awaken to the power of water, what you notice is like when you're out of integrity, you know, at the end of the day, when you're like, ah, I shouldn't have said that in that way to that person at that time, there, that is your, what in, in my experience, like that's the waters, the emotional body, the emotional waters within saying like something's out of alignment. And if you don't clear it up, it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem for your immune system. That'll eat away at you, at you. So integrity gives us a chance to, to come clear. And in that we learn and grow. Now tomorrow's better than yesterday. So with any of the elements, you know, this responsibility over this control, it is an awakening of that power within you. You know, I think that uh, part of the reason making the five elements accessible is hard. I mean, I'm reflecting on this as we're speaking, is that you you mentioned that most of us are living in a kind of, you use the word sophisticated, I don't know if it's sophisticated, but in a mental analytical (laughs) world compared to, uh, you use the word primitive, but compared to a world, whether it's pre-written language or, you know, et cetera, where we're more ready to say, oh yeah, I am the five elements. Like, I think even that thought, I am the five elements. It's a little bit like, no, these are like 
rituals that witches do with the elements or something like that. I'm, I'm going yeah. extreme to make a point that I don't think people just think, oh, the five elements, that's what I am. And so I'm activating my own capacities. I don't think people think that way. I agree. I, to- I totally agree. And it's, and yet, right? Like, and yet, and yet, what an invitation, especially during interesting times when you look at like, so much is actually unstable right now. So we're in a time of, of massive instability. We can see it particularly right now in in the stock market and in the medical systems. Uh, in instability, like what is remaining stable? Right? The sun rises. The air's clearing because there's less people moving around. There's less pollution. So air element there, ether element. There's you know there's access to even see the the, <laughs> the stars more and what's outside. Your physicality is earth element, your physical body, the sun rising, fire element, the water you're drinking, water element. And it, it's very challenging. I get like the more disconnected and anxious a person is, I would argue the more disconnected they are from the five elements and the harder it is to start to access it. Uh, but that doesn't mean that it's, it's, I guess, challenging, it's hard but it doesn't, it doesn't nearly mean impossible. It just means more little small baby steps heading in that direction. It also means the greater the reward, right? Because the further out from center you are, the closer to, in order for you to be healthy, the closer to center you need to become in order to wander further from center again. So we want this adaptability and resilience. When someone feels totally disconnected and they don't, you know, they don't notice the own warmth of their own heart, like we can bring them back to that just through that simplicity of like, wait, feel, feel your body. And you'll hear me tap. Like you're physical, you're earth, you're stable. Now take a breath in. That's, that's air. You know, feel how you can slow your breath down and that changes your relationship to time. So very simple things like this actually are very grounding for people. Now, you mentioned that we could talk about resilience and the body and this appreciation of the superpowers, if you will, the superpowers we all have, the power of these five elements. How will that help me with resilience, physical resilience? Yeah, so physical resilience, you know, it's interesting in, in the work I was doing as an Ayurvedic medicine practitioner and as a yoga teacher and yoga therapist and my whatever, 20 years ago, 10 years ago. What I noticed is that if people had the habits of Ayurveda, which are called Dinacharya, they're the daily, the daily rhythm habits, uh, which we did in my first book, Body Thrive, of just like there's certain habits that if you do them, you build an abundance of energy and your immune system is stronger. You become more resilient. If you, if you have these habits, you actually start to free up a lot of mental capacity. Uh, you start to be able to want to do more with your life and you can do more with it in your life. So the, the precursor to this deeper resilience is the body rhythms. And in Master of You, I just simplify it into these three rhythms. Like what are your rhythms around sleeping, around nourishment, and around movement? And if these three, if like you can check the box on these three rhythms, meaning you're going to bed, you're going to bed before 10 or around 10, you're in, you're able to sleep deeply. You're able to get into a sleep cycle for, you know, seven to eight to nine hours a night, dependably. And you've built this into your rhythm. This rhythm already exists in a larger circadian rhythm. The word rhythm in Ayurveda is a really big word. It's Rita, R-T-A. And, and rhythm is the ruler. So if you're in rhythm, you get access to deep energy or universal energy. If you're out of rhythm, you don't. So the rhythm, the circadian rhythm, the day-night cycle, the when we should eat, the how much we should move, all those rhythms, they create a strong, synchronized, organic pattern in our body. And that gives us the ability to be self-organized. And that in itself creates a, a certain resilience. But the more unsynchronized we are, and the more chaotic our rhythm, meaning we're going to bed at different times or eating at different times. Some days we do movement, some days we sit around all day. The more we're arrhythmic, the more chaotic 
our own physiology is. It's not able to organize around the rhythm, the weaker our immune system, the less resilience now, we have. Yeah, Kate, I'm sure you deal with this a lot in your coaching and your work with people. Somebody's listening to this and instead of feeling inspired, and I'm sure there are many people who are feeling inspired, but at this point, someone's feeling something more like shame about their schedule and about how they've been nourishing themselves or not exercising. What, what would you say to that person? Yeah. So I, I would go back to the, like, feel the shame and shake it off. Like, just let, like, process that emotion physically. Just move through it. And then ask yourself, like, what do you need to do to, what do you need to do today to get, to, to really nourish yourself? And, you know, there's been so much on, like, diets and, and, you know, and food programs. And I find the word nourishment itself is so healing and so helpful. So and rather, you know, needing to like quit sugar or this or that, or put things that are like really hard in front of you, instead just to ask yourself like, what, this is, it's such a simple question of like, what, what is nourishing to me right now? What is nourishing to me right now? Like what is nourishing to me today? And you'll notice your intuition will bring forth some very simple answers. It'll often be like, I want a cup of tea or I want to lay on the ground or I want to put my legs up the wall for a minute or I want to take a walk or I want to be in bed. I want to like roll out of my foam roller and go to bed, you know, earlier, maybe by between 9.30 and 10. Like the solutions that your own awareness will generate from that very simple question. And then the, the key is, is you following through on it? Like when your intuition speaks, how quickly do you take action? And if you can shorten that cycle, you'll notice your life gets easier. You'll notice that you don't experience much shame. Mm -hmm. Now, at one point in Master of You, as you're setting up our understanding of the five elements and these powers in our life, you compare forgetting an essential element in baking a cake to be similar, how the cake's going to turn out if you don't include one of the essential elements, to what it's like in our life if we're not honoring and aligning and awakening all five of the elements. How might somebody know which of the elements they really need to focus on is the missing ingredient right now in their life? How could they assess that? Yeah, well, this, yeah. So if, you're, if you walk into your home and you're not stoked, like just like, yeah like on all levels, then space. Uh, if you open your calendar and you're not stoked, then, then time or air. If your relationships are out of integrity or you're out of integrity with money, then water. If you're, if you're not stoked on your body and, and you don't feel nourished, then earth. And if you don't know what you want to do or who you want to become, then fire. That was a very swift and helpful assessment tool. Thank you. <laughs> you is, the, is the goal to be equally uh, awakened, aligned with all five elements? Is that the goal? Or are some people like, oh, that's a fire type, or oh, that person, their their strength is really water, the water element, or no, all five, come on, they're part of who you are. Yeah, I would say all five, they're part of who you are, and yeah, you will. Like some people have really strong body rhythms. Like for me, earth element is really pretty. It's pretty easy. I've always been an athlete, and and so I've always taken care of my body. Uh, you know, when when we look at there's one person who's in my course right now and she's having such a hard time with space and her home and she's a single mom and they just, there's just stuff everywhere. Like they don't have, their system is just to like drop it where you, where you, like <laughs> when you're done using something, just drop it and move on to what you want to do next. You can see this pattern usually in little kids. They often have a similar pattern. Um, and so for her to, and she's, she's got a great job and she's a, you know, a super loving mom and she's got great relationships and she's a marathon runner. So she's checking a lot of those other boxes, but because the, the space and home one, she's not checking, like 
that for her, the hand-holding process for her with this, uh, it's essential for her then experiencing an, another degree of manifestation in in her parenting, in her work life, in even, I would argue, even in her athletic performance. So the one is always the key to the all. Um, and yeah, leverage the ones that you've got dialed in for sure. Some people are just amazing with their calendar and with their integrity with their calendar. Um, so you're going to want to use that to help yourself with the other elements. Okay, one of the most interesting parts of the Master of You book uh, to me was a section that you call the Master of You Ethos. It's a 12-point value system that supports this whole process that you guide people through. And I wonder if we could talk about some of the points. We probably won't be able to get to all of them, but there are some that, that I really liked. Uh, we'll just start at the end. The last of the 12 points, shift from being a consumer to a collaborator. What do you mean by that? How could that be part of a value system? Right. I know, right? Because we're in, it's funny if you think of like consumer reports and consumer culture, like there's this, and I think for many of us, it never, like those words never felt right. You know, for a lot of us listening, it was probably like, do you, you really consider yourself a consumer? Uh, we know from our ecological and biological systems that, like, you're never just one thing. You're never, you're never just consuming. You're also being consumed by something else, right? And so the cycle, if we just go into the, the cycle of life. When, even if I look at, uh, I didn't create in MasterView, we could say, like, I created a, I created a product for consumers, Right? I created a book for people to read and to consume it. I don't see it that way. I see it as we're all collaborating. Like we're all actually, we're all in this together. And a lot of the, those who have been working in startups and, and um, understand user experience or UX uh, or customer experience, CX, they know that the feedback they get for the, from the customers actually drives product development. And so in that, we can see like, well, who's really, who's really driving the show? Who's, is it, is it a consumer, you know, where the consumers are buying the stuff that the producers are making or wait, the consumers are actually creating the stuff because they're telling the producers what to create. And so what we're seeing is actually a lot of the language we were using is just totally outdated. And the more we understand that, it's a collaboration. Even your dharma coming in, coming into the next level, the next chapter of your life, it's going to be collaborative. There's going to be certain people that are absolutely essential to you making that happen. There's going to be relationships. There's going to be skills. You're going to need teachers or guides or coaches somewhere along the way to help you become who you haven't become yet. And so once we understand this and we have this as part of our own ethos of like, who is conspiring to help me? Now, I didn't set out to write books. It was never like my dream to grow up and be an author. Uh, I wanted to help people. That was, that was very, very clear. I wanted to spread personal and planetary thrive. That was very clear to me from a young age. When I started teaching courses, the course members started to ask me, like, it would be really great if you just organized this into a book. Okay. Now, it's their idea. It's not my idea. So as I'm writing the book, I'm bouncing it back and forth off them. I'm like, is this what you guys want? Is this like, am I on the right track here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But more of this. Okay, more of that. More blah, blah, blah. And incorporating that. And so it's a very collaborative relationship. And the same thing, like I mentioned, happened with Master Review, where course members were finishing the Living Are Your Veda course. And then they were like, "What's wait, we, there's this whole other thing happening. What is that? And I'm like, I'm not sure. I think it's this. And they're like, yeah, write more about that. Teach us that. And I started writing and teaching and it became something, then it becomes a product which other people could consume, but not really. Because anyone reading the book now that sends me an email will be the impetus for the next level of the conversation. So it keeps going. Let's talk about it in a way that probably most people can relate to who maybe don't experience themselves in their life as creators who are listening to feedback, but instead as a consumer who's buying something online that they need right now and having it shipped and they have the experience, I'm a consumer. How would this ethos change the way they view that purchasing experience? 
I would say let's bring it back. Like let's just dial it. Let's just dial it back a level to something that most people feed them. Like you need to feed yourself, right? And for those of you who are listening who have are in charge of feeding other people, then you have that as well. So you might see like I need to put I need to put dinner on the table, right? And you might be wondering how you can make that even itself a more so then you've got the consumers. So you are creating something. Now you're the creator. Now the consumers are the kids at the table or the partner or whatever, maybe you feed your parents. But even that, like how can you turn that more into a collaborative experience? You could sit down and do meal planning together. You know, like once a week, have a weekly meeting with your people, organize yourself for the week and be like, what is going to be on the menu? And and now you're collaborating in order to, to create something. Um, and I find this, I mean, I, I, I find this all the time with, um, you know, with, with team and with work and whatnot. It's like, look at like, who are the interested parties? And we can go to the Amazon example in a second. But like, who are the interested parties here? How are we actually in dynamic conversation creating the future? Now, with the Amazon example, say you buy a product and say you don't like your unboxing experience. The unboxing experience thing is real. It's a thing. Like you're excited about it. You're getting the thing and you can't get the thing out of the packaging, right? Remember that plastic packaging that no one could get the thing out of besides like getting out this way. I do actually. Yeah, yeah. Dealing with a razor. Bad. Very bad. People got injured. People got sued, right? Like that's how that went. Now, had early on, they had a more collaborative, that company that produced that stuff, uh, that plastic, that you know, whatever it was called, that hard shell plastic packaging, had they had they started testing user experience earlier, they would have gotten feedback and chosen a different route instead of having to retool their factories years later. Mm-hmm. So we mm-hmm. can see that earlier on, we see this is a con- it's always a conversation. It always is. Now, if we want our voice to be heard, how can we voice ourselves? Now, if we want our voice to be louder how can we gather other voices to make our own voice louder? Now, you know, to be honest with you, I loved all 12 of the values that you put into this master of you ethos, but we'll just talk about a couple more. One, embrace a solid B minus. I was like, this is clearly (laughs) not part of my current value system, but I can see the point, but explain it to our listeners. Yeah. So, I mean, a B minus, a B minus can, can, you know, it's, there's, I mean, there's a number of different ways to, to think about this, but one is uh, in coaching people for years, what I found was that one of the, one of the, the larger issues I found um, for, for massive fast growth was perfectionism. Like really, it was probably the most reoccurring theme in it is, is that people would only want to like, you know, say you weren't, say you're a perfectionist, but you didn't know how to cook. So then you would have this idea that for you to make something, you would just make it way too hard. So you choose something that actually someone who's been cooking for a while would be challenged by, and you would choose that to make as like one of your first things that you're going to make in the kitchen. That's more or less setting yourself up for failure. So how do you start to back off just in, in it's, it's a bias towards action is another way of saying it in design thinking. How do you get a bias towards action rather than a bias towards perfection? Now, a lot of people with aim for a solid B minus, if you're a perfectionist, you're going to be like, what? Huh? I can do that? Like people do that? And it, be, it helps perfectionists become much more aware of their own, of their own perfectionism. And just in that itself, you can see where you're keeping a bar way too high that's not biasing you towards action, but is actually biasing you towards procrastination. So when we're wanting to shape, you know, really shape shift our life, shape shift our, our who we're becoming next, to step into a deeper dharma, there's going to be skills, and there's going to be um, even it, it mostly shows up in skills that we're not going to have. There's even going to be like relationships that we, we just don't have developed. And if, if we don't make it easy to take action to move forward, we might not take action at all. And that's why we want to aim for a B minus. I want to let people know that if you want this whole list of 12, the Master of You ethos, you can go to masterofyou.us backslash workbook and get the entire list or you can purchase the book, The Master of You. Just the last one we'll go through. 
adopt a cosmocentric view. Yeah. And we hit on this a little bit early on, just with the deep space and deep time perspective. So often if we wake up and we're in the and we're in the I, me, my, we're in the, the George Harrison song all through the day, I, me, my, I, me, my, I, me, my, and we're just in the now, like we're in the like what's just on our plate, what's on our schedule today. Uh, what happens is, is we lose access to the ground of being. We lose access to the deep peace. We lose access to reflective consciousness, what the yogis call Prakasha Vamarsha, or the light of consciousness and the self-reflective awareness that's built into every human being, we lose access to that. And that's, that's like the easiest great gift to accept is that one. Like that's, what's always going to be going for us. Even when the stock market crashes, even when we don't know how many, you know, whatever, how much money is in our bank account or if we have a job tomorrow is, is there's that access of the deep time, deep space, the cosmos that this cosmos, it wasn't born yesterday that, other, you know, even if we look at human beings that have lived through great trauma and tragedy and travesty, that like there's, there's a sense of like, wait, if I have a deeper time perspective, we know how to do this. Like humans are better equipped now to deal with this than ever. And we might not get there if we're just looking at today compared to yesterday, which is really different. But we could get to that perspective just from looking at, hey, can I take it like a thousand year view of how humans have adapted through great trauma? And from there, we might find an insight and we might see a pattern. And now we're much more equipped to have a healthy mind and be part of the solution in the day ahead of us. What do you think would be a helpful cosmocentric view right now of the pandemic that we're in? Like, where does your mind go when you think, you know, I need a big, deep time, deep space view right now of this experience and how humans are evolving? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, it's such interesting times. And I think having words like that, um, like, like, oh, we're in interesting times. Like, this is where we're, we're in the liminal thinking. We're out of the pattern, everybody. We're out of the pattern. You know, they say in Wuhan, China, like, from the, uh, from, from the massive uh, quarantine, like, the birds came out, the skies cleared. Like, there's, there's, new, there's, there's, there's new good things happening even in the pandemic, even in the, even in the chaos of it all right now, a lot of parents are spending more time with their children. A lot of people are spending more time in the home. A lot of people are spending more time cooking their own food. And if we look at like, wow, this is really freaking fascinating. Like if I can back out big enough and look for the good, and this is another fantastic teaching from Tantra and in yoga is orient. And the way we, we, I say it in master of you as the, the first ethos is, Orient towards thrive. Orient your mindset towards what is thriving. Always look to what is thriving because if you just look for the bad, you could get sucked down the rabbit hole and only see the bad and your immune system is going to suffer and you will become less resilient. And the less resilience you have, the less adaptability you have. So that's not the direction you want to go. So look for the good. Orient towards thrive. Notice the big patterns of good right now. And what I see is, it's so fascinating. We're both getting, we're getting grounded. Like literally we're grounded in our own homes. We're spending more time with our most close knit relationships and we're using technology for high level relationships. And this is something I'm seeing an absolute Mm. across the board explosion in. And I, I bet you guys are too. It sounds true. Mm-hmm. Uh, where like I put out a thing to do a, a talk tomorrow for mindset for wellness pros of like how do you get your mindset aligned to the possibilities right now um, and our sign up rates are like 75% it's really way higher than it's way higher than normal uh, and the only thing I can attribute it to is like well it's the right message at the right time right uh, and we're seeing this in terms of I was just on a networking call where it was like it was all about what you have to give and what you want to get and people's giving offers were so incredibly generous. And we're seeing this, we're seeing a level of human generosity of caring for our neighbors again, in a way that we just have, we forgot about as a, I would say as a global culture, 
So there's there's a lot of that going on now. If we can if we can remember this, we can re, you know, and if we can bring this forward into our future, and for those who haven't adapted technology, right? Like they don't know how to get online. Now they're starting to you know some people are like learning how to use FaceTime right now on their iPhones or whatever. They're learning how to use Zoom conferencing. Zoom is no longer able to keep up with like we've used Zoom forever, and we have a very fast turnaround with uploading our coaching calls. For the first time ever in the last 24 hours, Zoom is behind in getting us our recordings. I don't see that as a problem for Zoom. I just I get that Zoom is trying to serve a way bigger marketplace right now. And to me, that's exciting that more people can get into the deeper conversations that they want uh, in the you know it, you know whether it's for work or whether it's for personal growth. And that to me is super exciting. And just mm-hmm. one final question for you: the title master of you. you. You were very clear when you were describing the five elements when it comes to something like space, the space we can control, what we can have mastery over, the picture that's on my wall right now that I've realized I want to take down. Clearly, I can be the master of that. I'm curious, though, how you would respond to someone who says, master of you. Really? Am I really going to be a master? Aren't I always going to be kind of on some type of aspirational curve, this whole idea of being a master. Is that, is that really possible? Sure. Yes. I mean, let's look historically again, like there's always masters. There's always, there's masters and there's grandmasters. I think if we call it grandmaster of you, like that would <laughs> a little, you know, set the bar a little too high, but yeah, like that's the, that's the deal. I mean, that to me is, is also the core of the, it's the core teaching and the, and the true path of enlightenment is that, is that, yeah, you get to run your own show. You get to, you, you get to think your own thoughts. Like you get to live your own ambitions. Uh, there's certain, you know, there's certain times and uh, places and there's certain things that happened in, in history that could, you know, that can facilitate or debilitate you from doing that. But like you always get, you, you always get responsibility or your ability to respond. And so all I'm doing here is being like, Hey, from all that I could figure out and all the study I've done and all the coaching I've done and yoga and Ayurveda and life coaching and lifestyle design coaching and lean startup and running a, you know, running an online business and team for a while, like from what I can figure out, these elements are super obvious. Like once you get it, it's right there. And, and once you start to get, okay, I've got I've really got these five domains. I've got my body, that's earth. I've got my space or my home, and that's ether. I've got my calendar, and that's my time. I've got my deep desire of what I want to do, and that's my fire. That's my ambition. And I've got my integrity and my experience of flow. That's my water. Now, at any point in time, I can do just a quick check-in of like, what needs help? (laughs) Like, What do I need to put a little more time and energy into right now? What deserves my focus? And, and, and in the, and in the book, as you know, there's just a lot of exercises to awaken these superpowers. So anybody can awaken these superpowers. Anyone can become self mastered and your in your disability to attune to what you want to become next. So no, you're never done. No, you're never going to not have an aspiration. That's not the point. The point in many ways, like the, I'm a, at the end of the day, like what keeps me going is that like, I feel like we've got some really big opportunities as a human species right now. And we also have some very big issues as a human species right now. Like how do we awaken our own unique desire to serve and how do we step into that? And how do we keep stepping bigger into our ability to, to, you know, be the biggest part of the solutions that we can dream of. Um, And that to me is like, that's, that's the big broad end goal that never ends. Uh, and yet people can just take this down to the level of like, I just want to have control of my time and I want to spend more time with my kids. Great. Master View is going to help you right there as well. I've been speaking with Kate Stillman. She's written a new book, Master of You, a five-point system to synchronize your body, your home, and your time with your ambition. She's also the author of a previous book, which sounds true, called Body Thrive. Kate, you're so uh, strong, grounded, and the five elements, those powers, they are strong in you. The force is strong. Thank (laughs) you so much. (laughs) 
Oh, my pleasure, Tammy. It's such an honor to be a Sounds True author. Thank you for listening to Insights at the Edge. You can read a full transcript of today's interview at soundstrue.com forward slash podcast. And if you're interested, hit the subscribe button in your podcast app. And also, if you feel inspired, head to iTunes and leave Insights at the Edge a review. I love getting your feedback, being in connection with you, and learning how we can continue to evolve and improve our program. Working together, I believe, we can create a kinder and wiser world. Soundstrue.com. Waking up the world.